funny argument that I get in with uh, my friends a lot is when we're looking clouds and stuff in the sky, there'll be points of time where you can see rainbows in the cloud because basically the way the light's refracting creates it. And it was something that I first noticed on psychedelics and now I notice all the time when I'm like, oh, that's just happening. My friends always joke that they're like, oh, it's a portal um, to like another world. And I'm on the science side of things being like, no, like what's actually happening is your lights are interpreting the light bouncing off the water particles in the clouds. And I'm like, that in itself is mind blowing and amazing. Welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast, where we explore the world of conscious living and emotional well-being. I'm your host, Keith Fiveson. We're an official partner for the Wonderland Miami 2023 conference held from November the 9th through the 11th in Miami. So use the discount code MINDFULNESS20 at checkout to take 20% off your registration. Today, we are thrilled to have a special guest, Connor Haslam. And Connor is the CEO of Microdose, a company that advocates the therapeutic use for the therapeutic use of psychedelic medicines. With almost a decade of experience in video production and creative media pursuits, Connor has gained diverse insights and rich experience in this field. He's also worked as a CMO and lead designer and built multiple brand identities and businesses that have become leaders in the cannabis industry. Despite never having a cup of coffee, Connor's energy and unrestrained passion for psychedelic medicine fuels his progress in this rapidly emerging space. So without further ado, let's dive into our conversation with Connor Haslam. Hey, 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 Connor. Hey, all right, all right, all right. How you doing, man? Good. How are you? I'm I'm thrilled and honored to have you here with me. And uh, is it true that you've never had a cup of coffee? I have never had a cup of coffee. I actually found out through one of those uh, DNA things that basically I have a genetic uh, mutation that even if I did drink coffee, my body apparently doesn't absorb the caffeine fast enough. So doesn't matter if I did. Doesn't apparently affect me. <laughs> Wow. Wow. Well, well, you know, I'm, I, I just kicked coffee a couple of weeks ago and I find my, my, my vibe is, uh, you know, is a lot more calm. It's a lot I mean, calm. I'm going to be honest. I, well, I agree, but I also just turned 30 and I'm realizing how much I think my body's going to need coffee within the next year or two. I'm just like, Oh, everything's downhill from here on out. Cool. <laughs> life good. is, life is great. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So you've been on this incredible journey. I'm thrilled to be affiliated with Microdose. I've written for your platform. I've been at the Wonderland conference last year. It was amazing. It's like almost 3000 people, I think, were there. And, yeah, yeah. Th and, and this year, I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, like it busts over 5000. I mean, why not? Right. So, Fingers you know, crossed. I mean, you know, great stuff. And Tell me a little bit about your journey so far. You become, you know, how did you become interested in in the therapeutic use of psychedelics? And, you know, like what brought you here to a point where, you know, you're running these massive conferences, you have incredible, you know, speakers, incredible sponsors, you know, and uh, I mean, it's just an amazing event. And I'm, I'm, I'm just floored over the fact that you've kind of made, made this thing happen. And you know, Thank very you. excited. So, what's your journey like? 
What's it been like? Yeah, I mean, uh, my journey probably started back at the age of 14, not on the psychedelic drugs perspective, but uh, from the athletic perspective, I grew up an elite athlete, played pretty much every sport I could get my hands on. And from the ages of 14 to 17, uh, suffered between 13 to 14 major concussions. Um, I actually have a crack down the few first few inches of my forehead, mm. um, where basically suffered a lot of mental uh, health issues from 17 to 21 after basically suffering all those concussions it got to a point where i even couldn't jog for six months without having to throw up or without getting uh dizzy nauseous essentially so it had a major impact on my life uh and over the next four years after that i went to university and it just kind of got worse and worse i would wake up being sad and not knowing why i'm sad angry and not knowing why i'm angry i would not sometimes be able to remember Monday on a Wednesday. Um, hmm. It became very impactful. So on my own, I was doing a lot of research at the time. This was in 2015 um, when I was looking, or I guess 2014, when I was looking at the potential of psychedelic medicine hmm. to be able to improve on some of these things that I was experiencing. Um, at the time too, when I was getting the injuries, not a lot was known on CTE or TBI as traumatic brain injuries. So doctors were just like, cool, wait two weeks and then go back out, um, <laughs> go back out into the field. Uh, so basically was doing a lot of my own research at the time. My university uh, roommate was also coincidentally into the research as well, but more from the spiritual side. So we came together January 11th, 2015, basically did uh, an experience with LSD. I took two tabs for my first time, about 250 micrograms. and. Mm -hmm. From that day on, it wasn't as if it was a silver bullet. I don't want to say that my life was perfectly healed after, but I became me again. I had the ability to understand what was happening to me um, and what had happened to me over the past four years. Um, and that I actually had a path towards healing. And even the next time I saw my mom, uh, it took me about six months or so to get a little open with this. But even the next time I came home after uh, mm -hmm. spring break, my mom immediately saw me and was like, hey, you're not you again. You're, or you are you again. Like, where have you been for four years? You're laughing, you're smiling. What happened? Um, and it took me about six months until I was like, hey, by the way, it was drugs. They, they help um, kind of thing. So after a while, I started uh, advocating for it, started telling my family and my close friends that this is actually how I got better. And pretty much everyone around me was receptive which was i guess very positive even at the time i was doing a lot of writing on medium but i was doing it under a pseudonym because i was afraid of losing my job um and there were a lot of stories of like how lsd saved my life um some of them still might actually be out there i'm not saying what pseudonym it was um but they still might be out there um but yeah basically after getting kind of the warm reception around my neighborhood and my family of oh okay these things might be able to help i basically stayed on that advocacy mission over the next kind of seven years or so, um, or I guess five years, um, mm -hmm. before starting Microdose, basically where I was doing a lot of this in my personal mission um, and my personal life in terms of kind of underground lead, mm -hmm. showing people the potential of therapeutic or the potential uh, therapeutics of psychedelic medicine. Um, and then when it came time in 2020, when the world went into COVID, everything mm -hmm. became disastrous. One of the really scary um, stats that I had heard kind of thrown out at the time was that basically if you compared antidepressant 
uh, prescriptions year over year from 2019 to 2020, mm -hmm. there was a 34% increase in the amount of anti-prescriptions for Xanax, stuff like that, uh, that were issued. And out of that 34%, over 80% of those were new people. And I'm like, okay, this is scary. We're entering a time where mental health is more important than ever. So right. Right. that combined with the loss of community and kind of we started out as mm -hmm. doing virtual events just to kind of give people that sense of community that they've lost during COVID. Right. So seeing all that kind of take place, it really just all gave birth to microdose. And when the time came where we could do our first uh, in-person event, we went for it with Wonderland 2021 and we have a lot of since. Amazing. Uh, absolutely amazing. And, you know, I, I would I would totally agree with you. LSD changed my life. You know, I mean, uh, and 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 for me, it helped to reboot, reset, reframe, you know, and also yeah. I think there's that neurogenesis, that that ability to really look at, you know, creating new neural pathways and to really look at the world a lot differently. And I love what you were talking about. And, and you know, we can kind of dive into that because uh, around the sacred and the science, the science and the sacred, the medical and the mystery, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, your events really do uh, a great job in trying to bring all of that together in a community that really helps promote not only the science, but the sacred, the medical and the mystical. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's amazing. I mean, it's exactly where we need to be, right? Yeah, 100%. And that's really what we try to, and that's what we're trying to even influence even more this year compared to what we've done uh, last year. We've actually built out a lot of different elements in order to kind of incentivize people, getting, mm -hmm. encouraging participation in the events that are happening around. Uh, we've actually created this entire, uh, basically a scavenger hunt, almost more of an experience hunt, really, mm -hmm. where we're kind of guiding people. We've created the riddle based on the fundamental question out of Alice in Wonderland, which is solving the most important riddle of all, who am I? So we've kind of taken that concept and it, and expanded it into an entire uh, experience that's going to take place over the course of three days that people will basically kind of be taking part in this experience hunt riddle that we've designed that ideally is going to drive them towards areas of connection between the mind, the body, and the spirit kind of things. So ideally, they're able to go take part in yoga sessions, take part in mindfulness sessions, take part in breathwork, and walk away with something that not only is going to help the game go forward, but ideally let people walk away with a different uh, different sense of self after mm -hmm. the event. Beautiful. Well, you know, this is the Mindfulness Experience podcast. And, you know, our, <laughs> my, <laughs> the real focus of you know what we look at and what i you know what i wrote my book on is you know the mind the body the spirit food the ability to rest and then your relationships with others on the outside you know you the environment and your aspirations so it sounds like you're really putting that all together in one event with these experiences and you know that's that's going to be a lot of fun yeah and to tease out a little <laughs> bit the last piece of uh, basically kind of the riddle is going to take part and build on that that element that you just mentioned of community where, so we've got basically uh, essentially 15,000 square feet of floor space that we're going to be transforming into a collaborative art experiment where essentially, I don't know if you remember those toys or if when you had children, the kind of mats that had a map on them of like streets, there's oh, a yeah, hospital yeah. over here. We're going to basically lay the outlines of 
a psychedelic village and let people use markers and paint and stuff to be able to paint in on the floor literally what their contribution to the psychedelic community would be um, and ideally that's kind of part of the experience is seeing what the community comes up with seeing what elements people find important to themselves that they want to share and bring to the overall table of the psychedelic community oh that's fantastic that i i i, I can't wait <laughs> thank you it's good it's gonna be great so let me ask you you know you've 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 sort of planted the seed you know you 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 took care of i i, I call it you know you seed you weed you grow you and and you and you flower you know if you will and you've and you're at that point right now where you're in your third event and you've got a great platform you've just done some incredible things and you're dealing with a lot of people who are in the industry from your perception of the psychedelic medicine community the entheogens plant medicine psychedelic medicine you know mdma and so on and so forth um how do you see it changing society uh over the next few years given the kind of trajectory that we're at and your view i mean ideally it it grows in a way that i mean and it comes back to kind of what the real essence to what we do is is our purpose especially with this event with everything we do is to shift people's perception um really when it comes to psychedelic medicine and to show them that hey there might be potential to healing the grass might actually be greener on the other side we know that you might be in a down desperate position right now but things can get better and we want people to walk away with that hope and that ability to you know just go on one more day if things are really bad just give it one more day just give it one more day just give it one more day and eventually things will get better kind of thing so in reality that is i mean even from our business perspective of i don't care what it comes down to as long as we can affect and show as many people on the planet that psychedelics may have the potential to help not saying they do not saying they're made for every person that they might be right for some people as long as we can show as many people that potential then mm -hmm. my job done my job here is done mm -hmm. so you're lifting up and providing the platform for that discussion and for that change to happen and yet at the same point i know you know moving towards integrating psychedelic medicine into society uh you know and into healthcare while it's gaining momentum you know there are some potentially key challenges that we need to be dealing with not only from a FDA viewpoint, but from a legalization viewpoint and so on and so forth. What are your views in terms of, you know, dealing with those key challenges and, you know, what what needs to happen in order to, you know, overcome them to make this all a reality in your view? A hundred percent. So I may have a very pointed perspective from the Canadian side of things, just because I am, I recently moved to New York. I'm six months in, so I'm still a transplant, but uh, from the Canadian side of things, it's going a little bit differently and the thing that scares me mm -hmm. isn't necessarily related to the health side of things but actually the city and the police side of things mm -hmm. where i don't know if you're familiar but in toronto there's a plethora of mushroom dispensaries popping up similar to what happened seven to nine years ago with cannabis where the gray market's popping up the stores are not necessarily regulated not necessarily mm -hmm. uh kind of like taken care of and shut down they're existing in this kind of zone and i think that there is much more potential danger to allow this gray zone to exist longer than it has to 
because mm. when I went into the store and I kind of did this as my own research, I'm like, okay, I want to understand the experience, go into one of these stores, mm-hmm. um, know what it's like. And I went into one of them, I'm not going to name names, but it was a very poor experience. And it reminded me exactly like the cannabis days back probably nine to 11 years ago. Um, and essentially I walk in, it's two kind of 20 year old kids. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are really trained. I was hoping to like, neither of them are doctors. Um, I asked them questions, like very simple questions with no real answers. The protocols on these stores, at least from a packaging perspective, are completely out of loop. The probably 80% of the packages and products on the actual shelves mm-hmm. didn't have proper disclosure. They didn't have names. They didn't have uh, even in some cases, the amount of ingredients in what was in it. Mm-hmm. I.e., it, this actually contains four and a half grams of psilocybin. Didn't say whether or not that was active ingredient or mushroom. Um, the level of information on the packaging was completely just pretty much non-existent. The mm-hmm. level of due diligence when it came to walking in the store, they're like, "Hey, fill out this iPad, fill out the form." Mm-hmm. I walked over to the iPad. I touched it. I think once. I never filled it out. They didn't check with me. They didn't verify if anybody filled mm-hmm. it out. And there was actually somebody in front of me in line that was an elderly woman, not elderly, but probably in her 60s, um, very right out of the gate, could clear that she'd never done it. She even had said, I've never done this before. What should I be doing as a first timer? And the person walking behind the counter was like, oh, you should probably take three and a half grams all at once. And I'm like sitting there, I'm like, wow, this is probably the worst advice I've ever heard given. And this is from a store that's selling the stuff right now. So. The issue that exists in Toronto is that encounter Mm -hmm. is a lot more dangerous than when somebody may have walked into a cannabis store seven years ago and bought an ounce of weed. They could buy an ounce of weed, but they can't smoke an ounce. They can't possibly smoke an ounce. They're going to smoke maybe two joints and then get tired. Three and a half grams of mushrooms, she could eat that whole thing before she even knows she's high. And the dangers Mm -hmm. behind a senior woman potentially having a really bad trip with no education beforehand is a lot more dangerous than smoking a joint. So from the user perspective, we I see the dangers inherently, but the city and the uh, police department are kind of at odds right now. So in Toronto, mm-hmm. at least the last time I kind of heard about it before I moved, the they were kind of in this quagmire state where the police wanted to raid the stores and they wanted the city's enforcement and basically support of, hey, these stores shouldn't be around, they should be taken off the market. Um, and the city basically sat back and was like, yeah, we don't care. Um, we're not going to like enforce you to take them off. We're not going to do anything about it, really. And to me, I see where they're coming from by making that decision. When it came to cannabis, they didn't really do anything, but mm-hmm. they're not seeing the inherent dangers that comes with psychedelics that just aren't there with cannabis. It's inherently a much different drug. So the fact that they're, they're sitting back, yes, I support. I And it's really conflicted because like, Yes, I agree that they are taking not, or that they're in support of the stores, which I am in my heart in support of too. But the fact that they're not stepping in to regulate it, not stepping in to make sure that these stores are coming to market in a fundamentally safe and ethical way is the real issue that I'm kind of seeing. So I think the cities kind of need to inherently, if they're going to let it exist, they need to come in and step in and make rules about it or else the potential dangers behind something going wrong with mushrooms and psychedelics is 10 Mm -hmm. times higher than cannabis, fortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, really unbelievable when you start thinking about it. You know, and my fear is very much the same, having lived through, 
you know, the 50s, 60s, uh, 60s, specifically Timothy Leary, you know, turn on, tune in, drop out, that whole uh, era. And then, you know, the Nixon years and the Reagan years where, you know, all of it went into uh, looking at, you know, schedule one. And we start looking at ways of now through research and through trial and through like, like really, you know, really looking at the understanding of the efficacy rates of dealing with PTSD, trauma, or any other kind of issue that individuals might have, specifically through a therapeutic lens, right? And now what you're talking about is 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 very interesting. Having moved from Toronto to the city, to New York City, um, I'm very familiar with the city and very familiar with the cannabis, you know, uh, <laughs> problem we have there i mean it's somewhat of a issue right i mean you know, walk around the street you can't walk anywhere without smelling cannabis in the air you know and and yeah. and and there were so many unregulated stores there's like 20 licensed stores through the state but then you've got like 150 stores that if not more that are unlicensed that are just out there just selling this stuff so they're selling mushrooms too i've been offered multiple like i don't know if it's they spot their customer um <laughs> but a lot of those unregulated stores also carry other things that they're selling and i'm like okay new york has its own problem in itself definitely that is kind of right. a little bit different but right. yeah i'm seeing similar things honestly in the new york market as well yeah and it's concerning because at some particular point in time that 60 year old woman whoever it is that individual that really has some cardiac issues or has some other issues you know, pre predetermined issues goes in and thinks that they're okay. And they say, okay, yeah, here you go. You know, there's no problem. Go ahead and do it. Three and yeah. a half grams. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the fact that there's no, like, that's where the city kind of has to step in and go, okay, if you're going to be opening these stores, make sure that there are safety recommendations, make sure a doctor's working there, or at least there at all times to like answer actual, any educated questions. There are very simple things that can be done. Um, ahead of time proactively that could very easily stop something extremely detrimental to setting the entire movement back five years because say an elderly woman takes that and walks in front of a bus that's going to inherently set the entire industry back way longer than any of us want so if the city can do anything from their end to help stop that happening i think it's a better all uh an overall better thing for everybody involved yeah yeah it, uh, it... Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you from a development viewpoint, you know, the the, the regulated, uh, dysregulated uh, aspect of or unregulated aspect of uh, whether or not it's cannabis or psychedelics. I mean, they're both very different, you know, and certainly from a more recreational view. But, but I, I got in a discussion with uh, uh, some folks recently about cannabis and, you know, uh, again, the same kind of conversation. You know, there's uh, there's such a medicinal benefit to cannabis that individuals aren't really recognizing and they're using too much of it in a lot of cases to go ahead and deal with a lot of the issues that they might have so they do become you know dysregulated they do you know deal with that and we can see the same things happening with psychedelics but from a development viewpoint do you you know see any new developments in the psychedelic medicine field that you're specifically excited about that you'd like to kind of lift up when we get down to wonderland or you know uh and i've had some conversations about 
you know, the pharma like Cybin, for example, some of the companies, biotech companies that are, you know, synthesizing some of the, you know, psychedelics, whether or not it's psilocybin or psyllium, you know, mm -hmm. what, what, what's your view of that? Um, I see it going, I mean, there's two things I'm looking forward to. One is less related to the new novel drugs and more just mm -hmm. the results of the drugs finally coming out, like MAPS <laughs> phase three clinical trials, finally just showing what pretty much all of us have known for the last little while. So I'm excited to finally see that research hit, but mm -hmm. from the novel side, or at least the drug development side, the one thing that interests me um, is a lot of the companies that are focusing on taking the trip out of the drug um, kind of thing. And it harkens back to the debate when neither side is right, but how much of the trip is required for the therapeutic healing kind of thing. Like if you're taking acid, but not getting the hallucinations, are you going to get the same kind of healing that you actually would have? Um, so I'm really interested to see what that area has to kind of show when the data becomes more credible, whether the trip is a placebo effect or if it's actually an inherently very important part of the process and mm -hmm. that can't be removed uh, from the overall kind of side of psychedelics. That's kind yeah, of what I'm looking yeah, for. I'm, I've been wondering about that because when we talk about the mystical experience store and, you know, the sacred and the science, you know, I, there is a quality of the ineffable, right? There's a quality yeah. of, you know, I've, 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 I've seen the real reality of life beyond the matrix, beyond the construct. And I feel that I'm in more in touch with, you know, this ineffable quality, the, the, what, what, whatever we want to call it, the energy, the Godhead, the, you know, Maya, Gaia, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. words we want to put to it. And, you know, isn't that part of that sort of transcendent quality? It's not just about, right. I mean, there's, obviously you can party you can have fun you can ha go ahead and connect with people in a different way you can deal with your ptsd or your trauma but then there is that ascension right that ability to transcend the aspect of our you know our, our we're, we're spirits in a human body in a in a flesh suit if you will that's my view and you know oh 100 yeah and, and it, i mean isn't that the isn't that what i think people in their heart of hearts are really longing for the ability to touch and transcend, you know, the, this, this, this mortal life. Yeah. I would completely agree. I mean, my deepest, I guess, benefit I get from uh, psychedelic experiences is that true moment where my brain shuts off. And that is when the hallucinations and the visualizations are at their deepest. But it's really at that moment where, oh, I'm not thinking about anything. This is that piece. And you do need, to me, the, that side of it really is required. I think I'm in 100% agreement on your end mm -hmm. in terms of that is really what affects my ability to walk away with something that's like, oh, this was life changing or this is how things really are kind of thing, as well as just the overall beauty that they make me realize in the average day-to-day -day that kind of would be lost if you took that experience out of the medicine itself i one kind of funny argument that i get in with uh, my friends a lot is when we're looking at clouds and stuff in the sky there will be points of time where you can see rainbows in the cloud because basically the way the lights refracting creates it and it was something that i first noticed 
on psychedelics and now i notice all the time when i'm like oh that's just happening we just overlook that and mm. my friends always joke that they're like oh it's a portal uh, to like another world and i'm on the science side of things being mm. like no like what's actually happening is your lights are interpreting the light bouncing off the water particles in the clouds and i'm like that in itself is mind-blowing and amazing the fact that all of this is happening instantaneously and then they call me like a debbie downer for being like man why'd you have to ruin it and i'm just like no it's actually unlike it's unrooting the magic that's happening in the everyday that we just forget mm -hmm. about and you don't remember because you're just constantly going on about your day and now i recognize it pretty much all the time i look up in the clouds i'm like yep there's a little rainbow cool and it's a little signifier that you can take with you right right i mean and it's that ability to sort of you know uh, uh, take your hands off the wheel and move away from the vehicle and see what you're driving and that you know and and there is this aspect of um altering your ego you know and i i, I love that term you know have your ego altered because it's literally like putting your ego on the altar you know like and, and 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 really having that moment where you kind of go oh there's that ego <gasps> Oh, oh, it's 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 just it's just something I put on. You know, it's not yeah. who I am. You know, it's that ability to transcend that that sort of selfing and move into a state of, you know, just sort of being in 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 communion with, right? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I actually had a very like so my first LSD experience was actually basically I almost literally felt that where we it was in january so it was winter uh, up in canada and we basically took an hour or two to walk outside and go to the park and like just play in snow and it was literally like walking out of the ego where like i left my apartment i'm like whoa i'm a new person i feel like i'm six <laughs> years old again what the hell just happened and then as i walked in my door it was like i walked back into my skin i'm like whoa and i'm me again i'm the university 21 year old or whatever it is um kind of thing so yeah that like separation of ego and literally having it as cool it is this over here i'm gonna go for a walk and like leave it here for two hours that was a great experience right yeah and and you know you come back and you you feel like you know okay i'm 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 okay i'm okay with i'm okay with where i am and what's going on and you know life is life is life is such a privilege you know it's a it's a real benefit if you're able to go ahead and not only be in your skin but you're able to be mindful about your life and about you know where you've been and where you potentially going but more importantly where you are that's where the true potential is well that and the integration afterwards like realizing and remembering that experience and being able to actually feel like i can still remember what that feels like and it still reminds me maybe once a week i think about it being like oh yeah okay the stuff like you can remember the things that you learn from psychedelic experiences it's not just oh i took it once at a party and went and had fun at a cottage no if you actually use them beneficially you can take things that you now keep hold in your day-to-day -day life and off one experience can last for years, like mm -hmm. literally years. <laughs> and I like the fact that you talked about integration. I just went through the IPI maps uh, program yes. and, uh, you know, certified trained uh, as a psychedelic assisted therapy provider. So from my view, you know, having the intention, having that, you know, uh, ability to kind of, you know, just kind of collect yourself, have your, right mindset if you will the right setting and then of course the integration and there's so many so many things that are happening today that are experiences but they sort of leave individuals raw 
you know, with that experience and craving to how to integrate it or how to be thinking that the medicine is the journey rather than, you know, the medicine helping to shine the light on the dark, which then helps you to move forward with whatever your journey might be, you know, and that that to me is very important. Well, I think it's actually kind of bringing it all back to Wonderland as well, too. That's actually something we're focusing on in terms of adding to the experience this time around is we're actually going to be hosting integration circles during the event and ideally for a number of different groups, i.e. BIPOC circles, Jewish circles, basically so you can connect with other community members of yourselves. Because one thing that we've walked away with and what we've heard in feedback is like people go to a conference and then the day ends and they're like, I have so much to process. What just happened? And we're like, okay, people could really use like an hour during the day to like sit down and just process all of the things that are going on during the actual event. So yeah, that's something that we're literally trying to kind of take from the psychedelic experience and show you how you can integrate it into mm-hmm. a normal daily life of a business conference, like actually kind of work that in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it was one of the takeaways I had, uh, and I wrote an article on, on microdose about, you know, the last uh, conference. It was just one of the takeaways I had was the ability to really have that sense of community you know, where you had this confluence of people from all different tribes coming together, really looking at ways of connecting and having the platform, you know, you creating that platform, your, the event was spectacular at the Ice Palace and, you know, people got together and it was, it was, there was, you know, there was really no hassle with anything. So I'm excited over the fact that you're creating these um, experiences, these, you know, r- really um, uh, opportunities for people to exchange and to feel like they're part of that community and lifting that up. I mean, what a what a honor and what a opportunity it is to be a part of a community, right? Well, we're actually taking it a step further. And one thing we noticed after last year's event in the first year or two is that we want to open the community up from a voice perspective as well or open up our stage from a voice perspective as well so we're actually going to be hosting a few we're still figuring out exactly when they're going to be happening in the schedule but a few almost open mic hours where think of it as like karaoke sign up you can come basically put your name on a list being like hey i'm jane doe i want to speak to the audience for five minutes about psychedelic assisted therapy blah 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 whatever it is and essentially open up almost a town hall open mic hour to let members of the community literally have some stage presence and be able to share their opinion, share their voice, share what matters to them and what's important to them with the people around them. Obviously, there's going to be some sort of due diligence that we're not like, oh, somebody can't get up there and talk about climate change. We're going to make sure no, uh, nothing like that is happening. But like, yeah, we want to open it up to town hall, open mic perspective, let literally anybody who has something that they feel they have to say give them the ability to say that's great so it's going to be more experiential more inclusive and there's going to be an opportunity for everyone whether or not you're on the science or the sacred the mystical or the medical you're going to be able to come together and you're going to be able to process you know obviously whatever you're looking for you'll be able to find something someone or something there to go ahead and connect with a hundred percent yeah that's our goal that's really great um, let me ask you, uh, given the growth and the interest of, uh, you know, the medicine, you know, and, uh, you know, in the communities itself, what kind of role do practitioners play in your view 
because we really started to talk about the concerns that you had coming from Toronto to New York and looking at, you know, this platform uh, that really helps people, you know, to really understand the efficacy rates and the requirements to have some, you know, uh, 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 lines on the road or boundaries or borders within the travel or within the journey that they may be taking. So, you know, from from your viewpoint, do, do you see the healthcare practitioners? I know that, you know, in Oregon, they've loosened up the uh, requirements for psychedelic uh, for therapy providers that, you know, it's almost any anyone who is uh, a coach or a counselor that's gone through some of the program is able to go ahead and work within the, that constraints. What's your view in terms of the, you know, legalization and or the healthcare uh, framework within the sector? Yeah, I mean, I almost make it akin to similar to how, like, if you look at schooling, if you don't take care of your teachers, you're gonna have dumb students. And if you don't take care of your practitioners, <laughs> you're gonna have people who aren't getting the best out of the medicine or the most out of the medicine that they could possibly be getting. So I think when it comes to the actual focus on them, I think it's it's incredibly important to focus on that aspect of it, as well as making sure, like you were saying, there are at least a few kind of steps in place and it's not just, oh, Joe Schmo can take a two hour course and become a psychedelic guide. That's probably not the best way to approach it. It should probably be like, okay, you have to have some sort of medical history, some sort of at least degree, um, an element. I think there should definitely be some kind of protocol there, but yeah, I think they should be kind of taken care of first, fed focus to um, really make sure that there are enough people who understand how to give these people's, uh, how to give this medicine to people, or else you're just gonna have people out there taking medicine and no idea how to really benefit from it, which mm. is the best situation I see. So we've seen Australia, um, you know, legalize psychedelics. We've seen California recently do that, Oregon do it, da you know, Colorado, uh, Denver uh, specifically, mm. um, you know, from your viewpoint and obviously the difference in terms of legalizing or decriminalizing, you know, in, in a lot of cases, do you think that this is a movement that will continue and you know do you have any sense as to how it might show itself up on a state-by-state -state basis on a federal level what what's your view yeah again i have a pretty uh canada set canadian-centric viewpoint on this just because of where i'm from kind of thing but people have asked me a lot of times where they say what do you envision as the ideal psychedelic kind of industry going forward and i would say that i think recreationally mushrooms are going to be pretty hard to keep off the market simply off the fact that it is inherently really hard to someone tell someone they can't buy something in a store that they can grow at home it's the same thing with cannabis it's really hard to tell me i can't buy weed in a store if i can grow four plants in my backyard and i could grow mushrooms in my closet i can't synthesize mdma as an average person i can't create lsd so i think from those perspectives recreationally mushrooms and psilocybin probably will hit the same kind of level as what we're seeing with the cannabis dispensaries right now in Canada, at least, and similar to what's popping up uh, across America. But I hope that from the other side, from MDMA, LSD, basically anything kind of on that end of it, I feel as almost there should at least be some sort of gatekeeper um, in the process of getting it, i.e. I at least have to go in and talk to my general practitioner or like you said, somebody who's trained in psychedelic medicine and basically get 
a prescription for LSD that I could go home. I could choose to either take it in the therapist's office or if I've at least been able to prove, and this is where some people have almost talked about like a psychedelic driver's license where it's like, hey, I've done my mm. 10 bungee jumps. I mm-hmm. can fly by myself now kind of thing. Whether or not that will ever get there, but I think we will need some sort of mechanism in place for people who want to take these experiences i.e i want to go to a doctor get mm-hmm. lsd and take it home and walk through the woods by myself mm-hmm. um i definitely mm-hmm. think there's an area where we have to cater to those people because not everyone's going to want to take it in a medical office or a therapy therapist's office right. there's inherently people that are trained and can handle themselves by doing it at home when they feel inherently more comfortable so yeah mm-hmm. i kind of see it as that element where Mushrooms are probably going to, at least in Canada, hit the same recreational level as what cannabis is, ideally with more regulation and safety mechanisms in place. But from the LSD, MDMA perspective, Mm -hmm. anything kind of like that, I would ideally feel it safe where, Mm -hmm. okay, I have to at least go talk to my family doctor and get a prescription, then I can go and do it in the woods if I want. Right. And at least, you know, put in place some, uh, like the dance safe, you know, use some, yeah. yeah, capabilities to go ahead and do your own testing to really understand because I mean I'm you know we've got this podcast and I'm I'm talking a lot about psychedelics I'm talking a lot about you know mindfulness and the whole you know preparation integration you know just being present with yourself and I'm getting a lot of uh, likes and a lot of friend requests from people on Instagram for example that are you know they've got a signal account or they've got a telegram account and they're you know, like, you know, you want to buy whatever you want to buy. You want to, you know, you can buy it wherever you want to buy it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to even go into a store. They'll just ship it to you. You get it on, you know. Yeah, you, you can buy it online. It's easier to get drugs nowadays than it probably ever has been, ever. Um, which is part of the danger behind it. It's exactly. like, okay, yeah. the accessibility technology is going to make this stuff easy. I don't even need to literally call my random guy on the street. That doesn't happen right. to thing. I make an online order if I want stuff. Um, and cities, I think, need to, and governments need to realize that, hey, this shit's going to move a lot faster than any mm-hmm. of us anticipated. We got to get ahead of it before bad things exactly. happen. Exactly. Yeah. Let's legalize it. Let's go ahead and control it. Let's go ahead and manage the flow, if you will. Or let's make sure that people are safe by giving them the tools that allow them to stay safe. You know? Yeah. Proper education, whether it's cool if you're going to buy a three and a half grams of psilocybin like that woman did at least give her a pamphlet on like the safeties and the directions behind how mm-hmm. to take psilocybin at home it's the canadian mantra of start low go slow is what the mm-hmm. uh, kind of cannabis marketing would say all over it at the beginning and it's that same kind of mm-hmm. ideas they need to step in and create some sort of public facing safety measures and recommendations mm-hmm. or else everyone's just going to fly by the seat of the wheel Totally. Uh, so I'm 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 thrilled to hear and uh, you know uh, continue this conversation. But I'm wondering, uh, you know, what are some of the next steps for Microdose uh, for Wonderland, and what do you think the future holds for the use of psychedelic medicine? I I know we've talked about that before in terms of where the future might go, but let's talk about it in terms of where Microdose might go and where you know these events are going and what what what's your what, what do you see ahead? Because this is, you've got a great platform. It's a great educational platform, social platform, community platform, and I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, I see Wonderland taking the direction of mm-hmm. almost becoming like the South by Southwest for wellness, if you mm-hmm. will, where mm-hmm. 
it's focusing because psychedelics is inherently a niche and it inherently relates to so many other things going on going on and people have so many more things that they want to talk about it's not just making yourself feel better what if you can live longer too what if you can actually right. do that with i talked with aubrey de gray and i mean exactly. you know, it's like like i'm dealing with you jackman and and you know rasmutin i mean the guy the, the guy had unbelievable you know uh insights in terms of longevity and he's going to be at your event too that's 100 percent. Yeah. So, yeah we're kind of looking at it with the combination of psychedelics and longevity being like Psychedelics are here to make you happier. Longevity mm -hmm. is here to make you live longer. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to live longer if they're going to be upset and sad and mad the whole time. Right. There's no point in living longer unless you're happy. So, and there's a direct effect. Together. I mean, if you're not happy, yeah. you know, it, uh, there's a direct effect to living longer. I mean, yeah. people who are like unhappy. 10 years off your life. Yeah, yeah straight yeah. up. So, we're looking at Wonderland as almost becoming the uh i guess the events related to the future mm -hmm. of wellness and not just mm -hmm. psychedelics and more inherently how all of these things relate together and ideally you can use more than one of the tool pieces to create an ideally happy um mm -hmm. happy life um and in terms of the future of the psychedelic medicine industry um i think one of the things we need to keep most in focus is the thing that we've touched on a lot in this conversation which is community um mm -hmm. there's a lot of division between investors here to make money and the people who think that mm -hmm. uh on the other side of things that everybody everybody should be a nonprofit, and that there's a lot of division in the space for a number of reasons um mm -hmm. and i think it's going to be so much more beneficial if we have a ideally kind of universal understanding of where we want to take this industry and if we, we can all get on the same page that in the end we're all here for the same purpose we all want to see people get better so mm -hmm. how do we make it get there as fast as possible and all get towards the same rocket ship kind of thing because if we all put our power towards the same thing we can all go boom much faster um mm. so really it's about mm -hmm. how to kind of embrace community embrace the people around you embrace their opinions mm -hmm. and figure out how we can all work best going forward to make this as successful as it can be and not have it go down the route where it never gets to people mm -hmm. because that's what it's here for it's for the people it's to make healing it's to make people better and if we don't take that in the people aren't going to get the benefit well it's wonderful that you've uh, created the platform and uh you know i'm very excited again uh, about being at this uh, upcoming november the 9th through the 11th you've created all these experiential um uh, experiences you know where people can get involved build community learn go ahead and uh, up their game in terms of their own contribution, their own health and wellness, but also help others along that process, certainly through the mind, the body, and the spirit. Uh, and you're bringing that into the fore. And I love this idea of the open mic. That's, uh, that's great because there are people who at any particular point in time, they might have applied to be a speaker. They might have applied to go ahead and be a part of it. But they, you know, for lack of one reason or another, they just couldn't, you know, be a part of the 300 plus speakers that you have. There's a lot of people. We get thousands of applications. Lots of people. So you're creating that space for them to go ahead and come forward and talk about what they're doing and how they can hopefully impact others and, you know, really help others to maybe impact them in some way, because it's not just about, you know, what I can do for you. As I was saying to a former guest, uh, you know, the three biggest words you can ever have in your life is I need help. 
you know, and isn't that isn't that powerful? So uh, I want to I want to thank you very much. Uh, you know, it, it's incredible to have you on, Connor. Um, how would people find out more uh, about you know microdose about the event and you know maybe uh, even want to uh, contribute to the work that the great work that you're doing? What would they do and how would they go about it? Yeah, definitely. So our website would be the best way to find all of the information in terms of like everything going on, the ability to get tickets, who the speakers are. That's wonderlandconference.com. And then Instagram is a great place to follow us at Wonderland Conference. Um, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it nowadays. We're at Wonderland Conf, C-O-N-F. Uh, they only allow like 15 characters or whatever. So it's got to be shorter on that one. But uh, the social stuff would be where we can kind of keep up with daily updates. Mm-hmm. Um, and then microdose, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at microdosehq, and microdose.buzz is our website for all the kind of industry updates, everything that's going on around the world of psychedelic medicine is where we do a lot of our reporting. Excellent, excellent. Again, thank you, thank you, Connor. Uh, really nice okay. uh, having you here, and uh, appreciate all the great work that you're doing. Thank you very much. There you have it, folks, our conversation with the insightful and passionate Connor Haslam. Thank you, Connor, for joining us today and for sharing your expertise with us. We hope that our listeners have gained valuable insights into the therapeutic use of psychedelic medicine and will take advantage of the discount code that we provided that's for the Miami Wonderland 2023 conference. That's Mindfulness 20. To our listeners, stay tuned for more upcoming episodes on the Mindfulness Experience, where we continue to explore the world of conscious living and emotional well-being.